Welcome to Family Business Today, where we feature prominent local and national family business owners. We also talk to top family business experts to discuss relevant topics, including communications, business culture, family relationships, succession and estate planning, values, as well as conflict resolution. Brought to you by the Tennessee Center for Family Business, I'm your host, Greg Lewis. Our guest today is Peter Bloom. Peter is a business lawyer with the Bloom Group in Washington, D.C. In his role, he serves as general counsel to emerging, mid-stage, and family businesses, providing strategic advice as well as guidance regarding corporate law, contracts, tax, intellectual property protection, financing, succession planning, and labor and employment law. Mariana Martinez and Peter Bloom are the authors of Seeing the Blind Spot, a guide for advisors working with the family enterprise. Well, good morning, Peter. I am glad that you could join me this morning for this edition of Family Business Today. I've been looking forward to our interview to learn more about your experiences in dealing with the emotional aspects of issues working together in family business. Greg, it's a real pleasure to join you, and um, I, this is, uh, as we talked about before, this has become kind of a, an evangelistic exercise at the end of my career, towards the end of it, so um, I'd, uh, I'm always happy to talk about it. Great. Well, let's get started. Since we both work with family businesses, uh, you know, and, and I find that there's more to creating a successful transition plan than the normal estate planning, governance structure, buy-sell agreements, etc. What are your thoughts on dealing with the emotional aspects of transition planning? You know, it's uh, it's hardly a one-size-fits-all sort of exercise, Greg, but um, the way I've come to approach it is really to try to understand um, some of the issues that often don't come up if you do if you go a more traditional route to just creating a plan or drafting wills and the and all the other documents that go with it, I try to understand more about the family as a whole, you know some of the kind of some of the basic history, um, what happened, how they came to be where they are, what led to the start of the business, you know who's involved, you know, and that may involve asking questions about, you know, siblings or relatives that aren't involved in the business and, you know, what's their interest and so on, because it's kind of like building, you know, a brick wall. You're all, you're always looking for where's the weakness Mm -hmm. and where are things that can upset the goals um, that the person before me is articulating so that it's not idle curiosity. You know, it's not just wandering through, um, you know, who was someone's grandfather and all that. It's really trying to figure out what can, what can upset the apple cart in the next generation. Mm -hmm. So we have to get these issues on the table and understand some of them, but a good way to start is just kind of the asking the who, what and where questions, but also Mm -hmm. um, avoiding the why questions, at least just yet, because those tend to, those tend to produce answers that aren't always the most reliable or actionable, (laughs) but just the basic history is good. Very good. That's very good. Well, you know, there's some statistics out there that say that only 30% uh, successfully transition to the second, only 14% to the third, and only about 4% successfully transition to the fourth and beyond. Uh, 
which one do you think is easier uh, to work with in a, in a transition uh, uh, planning process? Well, it's always easiest to start at the beginning, I find, but uh, that that is just not what seems to come across my desk. What seems to come across my desk is I'm in I'm in G3, and we got major problems about going to G4. Um, so they are not the easiest, but they're also the ones that I think involve um, where you can get most creative and really is an outside professional, whether you're a lawyer or financial advisor, or, you know, obviously the accountants for a lot of our businesses are far more intimate than lawyers or, um, you know, the financial advisors are. Those are the ones where you can really do some of the most good um, mm-hmm. simply by asking the hard questions and figuring out, you know, what the best strategy for the family is. It may be, you know, by the time you get to G3, even though you have kind of this, uh, often un- unstated expectation. We want to keep the business in the family. That may not be real. That may not be, you know, a realistic goal. The 14% may have, you know, that may be explained by many things, but in some cases it's explained by, you know, they don't, they're not interested. And if they're not interested, then likely the inputs to that business are not going to be sufficient to keep it going mm-hmm. for whatever, you know, whatever purpose animated it to start with. So, you know, you've got to ask again these questions about does this make sense and are we just kind of um, setting up uh, a, a certain failure situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I really like working down the, through the generations, but, you know, it is more challenging by the time you get past G2. Let's let's be honest about it. Sure, sure. And I think one of the, the reasons for that too, Peter, is, is that, uh, uh, many times, if if not G three, definitely G four is is that they really don't remember uh, the the founder uh, of the company and why the company was founded. What was the mission? What's the vision and goals and the core values of the founder of the company? And and if those aren't someone has protected and carried those forward from generation to generation that also uh, uh, creates an awful lot of issues from that transition part over there. You're, you're absolutely right. And many, many years ago I worked um, in G I was in G three with a what started as a family business, an Irish immigrant who came here and started a paint company. So your listeners can probably do a quick, you know, they'll just do a little thinking and they can figure it out. But one of the things that um, my person who was in G3 lamented was that um, kind of the animus and the purpose beyond just providing good product and, and being um, a stalwart company in the community. But one of the purposes of the business, um, it, the, the animating force of it was no longer really relevant in G3 that, you know, that the concept of using this not only to benefit the community, not only to, uh, play their part in, um, you know, kind of, um, in, in their, as I say, in their community, but what it meant for the family, this concept of, um, when you got to G2 and G3, that you're really stewards. This was the word that was used, Mm -hmm. the concept of stewardship over and over again, Mm -hmm. that it was very hard to translate that intergenerationally. Mm -hmm. And so by the time 
um, we got to G3 and G4, this was just this was a source of funds for other things people wanted to do. Yeah. People didn't care about it, and the the kind of overarching purpose that it had in the family's history just wasn't relevant anymore. Sure. So it's a very it's a very difficult it's a very difficult thing to achieve. Mm. Thank you, Peter. Um, let's let's go on a little bit. Thoughts about you know twenty twenty has been a a crazy year for all of us, and a lot of us instead of of thinking about transition planning, they've really been thinking about uh, surviving. Uh, 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 their businesses, and according to the Small Business Administration, over 40% of privately owned business leaders are considering transitioning in the next five years, and the primary reason for failure is a lack of planning. So why do you think this is? Well, there's a lot of research on this, Greg, um, that you probably are acquainted with. I mean, it's it, it, particularly if we're talking about a business where the transition is G1 to G2, the the patriarch of that business or the matriarch or whoever, you know, the, the starting group uh, of people are in the family, you know, they are not people that uh, typically their makeup typically does not lend itself to stepping out. These are drivers, right? These mm -hmm. are people who are, who are motivated to stay in the business. The business in, in many ways becomes part of their identity. And there's a famous phrase in the literature um, that, you know, for a lot of founders um, and even people in G2 who tend to be closer to that sort of mentality, transition is almost regarded as a form of, uh, of, of commercial euthanasia you know they are not they, they are quite happy as a group dying with their boots on so it can be another difficult conversation to um, engage with people like that um, and remind them that number one they don't know when they they don't know when their time is going to come and number two, they typically are people who are very concerned about what happens in the next generation or next two generations. So there has to be some kind of accommodation between wanting to stay there as long as they can in some role. I mean, these are not people that are going to be sitting around at home reading books, um, you know, driving their, their spouse to the shopping market a couple times a week. Mm -hmm. There has to be some accommodation between that personality and also making it clear to them that if they don't plan, um, they're really, they're really taking a significant risk about what happens or what, what, what stage they're setting for the future. It's, these are really difficult conversations. Very difficult, but they, uh, um, I know several business brokers that, that say that the greatest risk, uh, to the failure of closing a sale is, is the night before the closing is, is the, uh, the uh, seller, uh, could be a family business owner, solo entrepreneur, whatever, goes home and has dinner with his wife, and his wife says, what are you going to do tomorrow? And all of a sudden, it scares him to death, and he calls the broker and says, the deal's off. <laughs> there's hidden plan for the future. Well, there's a colleague of mine, and she works in... Um, OD, organizational development, and part of her checklist in preparing um, someone, you know, who's in family business, part of her checklist in terms of transition is making sure that they do have a plan for the day after. And it may be, you know, that they start lining up um, board memberships or, you know, community activities that 
you know, are, are of interest to them, things like that. But it, it generally doesn't work very well at all just to not plan for this and not realize what that is going to do to someone. Um, because they're, you know, typically their identity is in some way bound up with their service, their work in this business and to leave them with nothing is, it's not good planning. Yeah. I mean, I understand in this, it, I don't want to take too much of an aside, Greg, but, um, see, this is where I think, um, a lot of professionals are doing their job in a very narrow sense, but in a larger sense are letting their clients down. Um, we can draft the plans. We can draft the, the purchase agreement, the sale agreement. We can draft the estate plans. But to not think about these things and, and know, as we should now, that they represent major, major um, discontinuities, maybe a nice word, mm-hmm. um, after the fact, the next day. Um, is really kind of letting our clients down in a way that I think is is remediable, but we've all got to we've all got to educate ourselves a little bit first mm-hmm. to understand that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Good point. Good point. Well, we 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 always say is, is there's only one thing that we can guarantee is that a hundred hundred percent of us are going to transition whether we want to or not. And so yeah, that's right. And we uh, so we we really talk about that uh, retirement uh, what slash whatever you want to call that next uh, half is going to look like. We call it refirement, and it's very important uh, that that uh, now gen uh, really has a plan in place. And so part of our roles as uh, uh, family business advisors is to make sure that that's that's uh, controlled. So that's good to hear you saying that. Well, let's 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 move on. Um, I, I know I worked with my father and our family business for 17 years, and one of the things that he said when I first uh, came back uh, to the family business is, "Son, someday this will all be yours." <laughs> Many business owners want to keep pace in the family by treating their children equally in the transition process. Why is it more important to treat the next generation fairly rather than equally in ensuring a successful transition and creating a lasting legacy for their family and for their business? Well, because, you know, in some cases, what you're really going to be doing is short shrifting the people who um, do come in and do make do make major contributions. And if you can divorce, if it's possible, your your view of this of this worker or this employee um, from the fact that they're your son or your daughter and realize that person may be one of the most significant variables in whether this business survives and thrives in G2. So to tell them, you know what, you've been here, you've worked your tail off, you've done great things, you've you know brought in new customers, you've spearheaded a new um, a new technological development, whatever it may be. But, you know, your sister or your brother, they're going to get exactly what you get. Well, we all know how we react to that if we're driven people. And so, again, there may be an expectation because of what's happened in that family long before the family business started or in, in, in other areas of their lives that everyone gets kind of an equal outcome. But when you're talking about succession and transition, it can be fatal to look at it that way. So, there ha- again, 
this is one of the things that I think has to be discussed right at the start. I mean, this is not, this isn't an issue that should come up, you know, two years into the transition plan where all of a sudden a founder says, Oh, and by the way, I never told you this, (laughs) but you know, um, I got four children and I want all four of them to get 25% of this, even though there may be some people who haven't, uh, contributed 25% of the value, right? right? So you you have to you have to have the conversation at first. And if that's really someone's goal, I mean, as a professional, I'll draft it that way. But I want them to understand that there are there are potential landmines they are putting in the field before their business, because that usually leads to problems. Fairness is what fairness has to be determined right it's an empirical exercise to sit down and figure out what everyone wants and what everyone expects but um treating everyone equally usually doesn't it doesn't end well <laughs> it doesn't well it's it's fairly easy maybe that's the reason why second generation is a little better if you you know if you have two kids and they're both in the business then it's 50 50 is not really hard but if the third generation if one of the sons or daughters has three kids and the other one has one kid that's a problem so i i know what you're saying <laughs> well the the other thing i just want to add very quickly not uh-huh. to spend an excessive amount of time on it but um one of the stories in the books is about a family where a mother wanted to divide her estate equally and you know sometimes we walk in and you're you're um I guess your your baseline as well, that's probably, you know, where you start the conversation at least, right? But in this family, because of things that had happened previously, um, the, the, uh, the attitude among at least a couple of the siblings, that one sibling had been favored, that an equal distribution seemed unfair itself because it was really allowing someone kind of a double, a double recovery. So, Again, it just brings me back to making sure that you surface these issues. You get the you get the attitudes and the expectations um, about wealth, about what's happened in the past, the who, what, where, why, uh, who, what, and where. It's it's vital um, to making sure that the plan is has got the greatest chance of success. Mm-hmm. Very good, very good. Well, sort of along those lines, it's. It's not halfway through the process, but transition planning uh, is a process and not an event. We we normally say is, is it needs to be three to five years before you want to make the transition to, uh, to educate, uh, to plan, process, and put into place. Uh, uh, so what are your thoughts on this and, and what are what are some of the early steps that someone should start taking uh, in the transition process, say three to five years before they're thinking about retiring or transitioning out of the business? So I think you can start by doing a basic inventory of what, um, what the goals of the founder or what the goals of whatever generation is in control right now, what, what do they want to achieve with this? And some, it sounds simple, but sometimes those conversations take a long time. They can easily take um, as much as a year or more because, you know, if, if you walk in and you ask the question, well, what are your goals? What do you want out of this? And that may 
involve financial matters. It may involve, you know, all sorts of organizational things. You know, um, I find that that looking at all the plans that I've done over the years with the benefit of hindsight, I've gotten a correct answer to that initial question. I think maybe less than 10% of the time. So the, the conversations have to start and progress. And I don't always find that the people that I work with have thought a lot about those things. So it does take some time just to get to um, answers that, that reflect, you know, their actual, their kind of bedrock desires. Mm -hmm. So that's, it's a very important step to, to begin talking um, on that level as soon as possible. That's one thing. You've obviously got to get everyone involved in these conversations that um, that um, may have a role, whether that's siblings, other family members, you know, obviously even non-family members. This it gets into a very difficult uh, other set of issues about how you mediate some of these um, differences between family and non-family members, but they can be critical. I mean, we've we've dealt over the years with countless numbers of situations where non-family members um, were really the key employees going forward. Um, they, you know, they, they may have technical skill or they may have sales skill. It, you know, it varies. But point is, um, I don't think you can plan without talking to everyone who may have some role in whether this is going to work or not and trying to get a, a feel and a true feel for what they want and what their expectations are. Um, some of these conversations surface uh, what they perceive as promises from the past. And you have to be aware of that when you do your plan, because, you know, um, you come out with a plan that seems right and seems rational. And someone pipes up the first time they hear about, well, you know, I was promised this three years ago. <laughs> um, it's, it's not, it's not good. Um, so, those are those are my preliminary steps when when I walk in. I want to involve as many other family profession, uh, family members as I can. If they have professionals, I view getting their professionals involved as um, is beneficial. If they have a lawyer or financial advisor, I mean, this is getting into some complexity, but the exercise itself is inherently complex. Mm -hmm. So uh, my attitude is let's get it all out on the table now and start working through it rather than having these things kind of uh, unexpectedly pop up as we're going down the road. Um, that usually leads to a number of problems, inefficiency, not the least among them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, you, you, you touched on it there, but uh, um, people always ask me, where do you start? And I always say start with conversation. It's uh, communications, communications, communications. You've got to have the communications and communications from the owner has to not only be about telling, but it's also about asking and listening uh, to what the, the desires of, of that next uh, generation are. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you can get in the problem here and this is what the book is about ultimately is that you can get into family situations where these conversations have not happened. Uh, and I mean, they haven't happened at all. There sometimes is an assumption that um, that Jimmy Jr. is going to want to step up and and run this when James Sr. retires, but there there may not have been a conversation about that. 
at all ever because that's just not that's just not the culture of the family and my my approach to this and my goal is not to you know sit here on mount olympus telling people how they should communicate in their family but to understand that if those conversations haven't happened we have to have them now in a, in a reasonable way that everyone can live with because otherwise um i'm not going to give you a good plan uh you know i'm just not and it's uh that's the reality of it very good very good well let's let's change up just a little bit you know parents love uh their children and they want the very best uh, for them uh everything they do but there's always a confusion between uh personal and and business wise and um uh, you know, I talk to parents all the time. And I'm sure you do, but most parents have given their children their first car, paid for their education, they've bought or made a hefty down payment on their children's first house. They probably paid for their wedding, maybe they even paid for a second one. Uh, but the business may be the parents' uh, almost entirely retirement fund. How do you start a conversation with children who who are being accustomed to the free 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 on a buy sell agreement when some of the business will be gifted but more of the business will be have to be bought by the children in order to take over the next generation yeah i mean it it can be um just another in the set of difficult conversations that i think we've been circling around in this conversation great because you know, you do have and you do encounter situations where parents really need um, their children, even though they may have treated them very differently up until this point in life. They need them to start making uh, some financial commitments because, as you put it, the business may represent the vast majority of their wealth. And while they may you know, be in a position where they can uh, embark on a gifting plan where some of that just becomes, you know, one element of their estate plan. They also need their kids to do this. Um, you know, sometimes, um, and this isn't, this is not something you're going to learn in law school, <laughs> but vulnerability is, um, a is a wonderful human characteristic and we all identify with it to some degree or other. And I've had the greatest success when if the parents had the hard, hard time going to their kids and having these conversations where I just got as factual as I could with kids. I've given them cash flow projections, the parents cash flow projections, you know, what they needed to maintain a reasonable style of life and just didn't criticize, didn't didn't get into anything that happened in the past or, you know, what, what the attitudes of the kids may be, but just explain to them, you know, your parents are going to need you. They really do need you. And this is why. And the thing is, I've come to view the role of professionals as kind of quasi family members for a period of time. Oh yeah. So if you're if you kind of view yourself in that intermediary role, one of the things you can do is have these conversations with kids where, you know, you stay away from anything other than just kind of the bare facts of what the parents financial situation is. And you tell them how much the, the parents show them and but also tell them, 
you know, obviously your parents are trying to do everything they can for you. There's part of what we're doing here, which is not asking you to pay for anything, but they are going to need you to step up to the plate if they're going to be able to continue, you know, living in this way that I, I know you want them to be able to live with them. I'm sure you want them, you know, dad may have some physical ailment or whatever and really should be in Arizona for four months of the year or out of the cold weather. You know, that's, there's a cost to that. And that, that's part of what we're hoping you're going to, you're going to, um, you're going to do to help out, help the family. And again, it's just getting to that point where I think you're, you're not only factual, but you're also, you know, you're talking to them in a human way that their parents may not be able to talk to them. That's part of the issue. They, their parents just may not be able to articulate this to them in a way kind of a neutral professional yeah. can. Yep. Yep. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the reason why having an unbiased uh, 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 family uh, advisor to help you through these kinds of things is able to, to help you make tough calls and make uh, and uh, respond in tough ways, you know, tough love. So, right. of course, communications is a, a, all a part of this up here. But, um, uh, but you know, say I, I remember when I first, uh, Dad and I started talking about becoming and joining the business. And, you know, there was a conversation, someday this will all be yours. But, you know, there was, it was just some fluff about some time down in the future. But should, should, should a conversation about transition planning uh, be be done before uh, uh, a, a child, or I say it's not a child, but a son or a daughter or niece or nephew, even joins the business, or or should it be uh, more down closer to when the transition is going to happen in say three to five years or, or longer? Well, this is just me talking. This is not. This is Peter personally rather than peter the lawyer but but um i wouldn't begin the conversation until you knew that this was somebody that you felt could make significant contributions to the business um and you had a desire to do that i i think you know before they join the business there's not a lot of upside to me to having that conversation with some i mean think about it divorce the fact that they may be you know, your, uh, your niece. Okay. Your niece is going to join the company as a sales rep. Um, you know, your niece, if you look at her just without the blinders of the family relationship, she may not be someone that's going to stick around either on her, her own volition or yours with mm-hmm. raising a, a, another thorny set of yeah. communications. So, to me to have that conversation before you know that before you have some idea what you're with, with greater, with greater definition, what your plan is going to be. It seems to me to be premature. Now I've had those conversations at an earlier stage and not all of them have cratered, but I don't, I would think it's, it's, um, it's putting the cart before the horse in a way. Very good. Very good. Well, uh, that's just my opinion. That's not, that's you know, not, I didn't learn that in law school. <laughs> you know, we, we, we don't always learn it. We learn some time in the school of hard knocks. So I appreciate your honesty and sharing with that. Well, uh, 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 quickly, let's, let's talk about family legacy. 
You know, uh, people ask me, how do you, how do you uh, uh, find or identify family businesses? I said, well, I said, it's not really all that hard because you can almost drive down the road and tell the majority of the family businesses because they have their name on this on the sign or it's the name of the company is their family name and uh this question is probably more for a founder uh than would be for a second or third or fourth generation but wh why do you think uh creating a family legacy is so important uh to that founder uh, of, of a family business? You know, it's, it can be part of their psychology in some way, you know, it can be how they identify themselves. At least that's been my experience with, uh, the founders who did focus on creating a legacy that they wanted something, um, in a way that reflected, their name, their presence, their family in a community. And there's not, you know, the, that's, there's nothing wrong with that, no. but it does in, in my experience have a lot to do with kind of their own identity, their own view of the world. On the other hand, I've met family business owners who couldn't care less, right? Right, right. from the start that this was about business. There was a service or a product to provide and you could call it, you know, green shoe enterprises for all they care. It didn't have to have any identity with their family at all. But for other people, that name, um, that name, you know, meant a lot. Um, you know, Bill Gates could have could have started Microsoft. And apart from the fact that he had a bunch of other partners that were, um, you know, obviously very serious and talented people. You know, he could have called it Gates Software, but he didn't. <laughs> right. And that's probably got something to do with his personality, his view of right. the world. Um, on the other hand, you know, Trump Enterprises would probably be nothing other than Trump Enterprises. Right. Right. So it does it does play into the into how people view themselves and their own their own look how they look at the world. Well, thank you. Thank you, Peter. Well, we're sort of coming to the end of our time together. Some great uh, information and everything you're, that you've uh, provided here on this whole emotional aspects of transition planning. And for anyone listening who uh, is thinking about transitioning, uh, that while you're thinking about the financial side of it and the operational side of it, the sales side of it is, is understand that when you start into, an, especially in a family business, the transition uh, planning, there is an emotional aspect that you need to take care of. So, Peter, what any closing thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners today? Well, a couple, a couple things. I mean, I think for most families, you can, you can really advance in this entire process by recognizing that the emotional aspect of this can't be swept under the rug. Um, I don't know how many times I've sat in rooms where I've heard some variation of, you know, we, we just need to get past all this stuff and get these, these documents done. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. In my experience, it just doesn't work. Um, you're just deferring and perhaps even worsening the impact of those issues. Um, they're not toxic to talk about them. It's not, 
is not to, you know, I, I often have this image in my mind of people like dealing with a, a canister and they think if they open it up and give aeration to these things that, that everyone in the room is going to die. I recognize families have different culture, different attitudes about communication, different standards or bench or, or um, rules about what can and can't be talked about. But to the extent that they're going to complicate what we're doing, we have to we have to be able to confront them in a calm, rational, tolerant way where everyone gets to, to have their say. Mm-hmm. So if I can impart one thing to people, um, you've got to be able to do you've got to be able to have those conversations and uh, respect those communications. Mm. Okay. Well, Peter, thank you for being our guest on Family Business Today. It's been a joy to spend this time with you. Greg, it was a great pleasure to talk to you, and thanks for the invitation. Very much appreciated. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Well, to learn more about uh, Peter Bloom, uh, visit the Bloom Group, Bloom Group LLC website at www.thebloomgroupllc.com. You can also obtain a copy of Peter Bloom and Marianne Martinez's book, Seeing the Blind Spots When Planning or a Family Business Transition on Amazon. To our listeners, thank you for joining us for the Family Business Today podcast. Brought to you by the Tennessee Center for Family Business located in Nashville, Tennessee, our passion helps families create a positive environment where the family thrives, the business performs, and one day create a successful transition. Whether you're a business owner looking to grow your family business or you're wanting to prepare to someday sell or transition the business to the next generation, check out our free resources on our website at www.tncfb.com. If you want to talk to a family business consultant, schedule a 30-minute no-cost call about your specific family business issues by sending us an email to info at tncfb.com. If you want to talk, we will listen. Until next time, thanks for joining us.